And here we go. You're listening to Open Mic Friday. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be talking about a subject that Wes Reimnitz and I started yesterday about worship nightmares. The more we get into this, the more we find out about it. And today, of course, is Friday, July the 17th in the year of our Lord, 2020. If you weren't with us yesterday, we were talking about a program called Kitchen Nightmares, and it's done by an executive chef who is well-known throughout the world, Gordon Ramsay. In fact, he is such a wonderful chef when it comes to cooking. He has three Michelin stars at one of his restaurants. You can't get higher than that. It's a a real honor, and he's had them longer than any other restaurant. He's opened up numerous restaurants, and what Worship Nightmares, I'm sorry, what Kitchen Nightmares does is that he goes to restaurants that are failing, and he finds out certain things that are causing them to fail. Uh, A lot of times it is the chef who simply has given up on making good food, or it is the servers, or one of the items he finds out again and again, as Wes brought up yesterday, the the people just don't like the food, and they're not returning. And so Chef Ramsey spends about a week at each restaurant and really makes a lot of changes if the people are willing to do so. I've seen, I don't know, about 20 of these programs, and three of them, he was unable to do anything. The people just told him to leave, and it wasn't long after that that they had to close down the restaurant because they wouldn't listen to his good advice. Kitchen Nightmares is on YouTube, but you'll probably not want to watch it with children because there's quite a bit of swearing that goes on in most of the programs. So I'm looking at this Kitchen Nightmares, and it suddenly hits me that you can almost put anything before the word nightmare, and like office nightmares or driving nightmares or whatever you want. And I came up with the idea of worship nightmares. Now, what is a worship nightmare? It is a nightmare because it does not follow God's will. Uh, For example, we were talking about on Walter's Law and Gospel Wednesday that it isn't enough for someone to preach the doctrines of the Bible. That is not a proper sermon. I mean, that's good for confirmation, a Bible study. But to preach a proper sermon, you've got to make a point. And Walther says the point that needs to be made is to make sure you properly speak law and gospel. I can't tell you. In driving around to the various churches, I've listened to a lot of religious programming. And very rarely do I ever hear the message of law and gospel. Now, of course, many of these are not Lutheran programs. 
so they may not understand. But a lot of them is telling you, here's what you need to do in order to get more blessings from God. You've got to be more obedient. And work righteousness is at the top of the list of many of these programs. So that's one way on how worship nightmares take place. And we're going to take a look at a sermon uh, in a few moments. But at this point, I just want to kind of go through how these nightmares might occur. In kitchen nightmares, there were about eight areas that Gordon Ramsay would discover that were resulting in a nightmare for the restaurant. Few people showing up. They didn't like the food. The decor was another big thing. Uh, a lot of times overnight, he would throw out most of the tables and chairs because they were hard to sit on and various other things. There was one cook that put all his antiques and antiques he considered to be antiques. For example, uh, one of them was a microwave, an old microwave. And he just put it up on the wall or on shelving. And so it wasn't very conducive to people having a good appetite. And then, of course, communication was horrible in these restaurants. Uh, for example, the servers would get orders but not be able to put them up properly so the cook knew, well, which item goes with which table, this sort of thing. Problem after problem. And a lot of the problems occurred between the owners, uh, many of whom were husband and wife, who had no experience in how to run a restaurant, but they thought that would be a, a fine hobby to do. And there was this one husband he was over 70 years old, and he was spending 18 hours a day, seven days a week in the restaurant, trying to keep up with the bills, and it just wasn't happening. So Gordon Ramsay comes in, and he starts to share ways in which the restaurant can be more successful. That's really needed in this day and age when it comes to worship services. Uh, how many times have we heard a worship service, and the person may even be quoting parts of the Bible, but there is no law and gospel involved. What, what I mean by that, there is no accusation against the members of the congregation for failing to live up to the will of God. And why is that important? Because that's what Christianity is all about. If, if you want to know the true Christian message, take a look at the words from the cross of Jesus Christ. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, God the Father forsook his Son because Jesus had become the greatest sinner in the world, taking upon himself the sins of the entire world. Today, you will be with me in paradise, uh, a message that can go to every believer in Jesus Christ, that at the moment of our passing from this veil of tears, 
we will be with Jesus in paradise, in the spirit, awaiting the time when our bodies will be restored on the day of judgment. So, Wes Reimnitz and I were kind of looking at what are nightmares that occur in a worship service. One nightmare that can take place is the opening of the worship service. And that is, what is the hymn you are going to sing? Yesterday, uh, Pastor Reimnitz went through a number of hymns written by gay people. And they weren't about the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus when one repents of being gay. They were all about the fact that God had made us this way. And therefore, since we were born with these tendencies to be gay, that means God wasn't against it. You know, that's, I find, really interesting. Because if you go to a prison and talk to people who have accosted women or little children, they will tell you the same thing. I was born with these tendencies. In fact, Law and Gospel, the television program, I don't think they're going to repeat this now, but some years ago, they had a man in court, and he was, of course, being convicted of child molestation. But he disagreed with that. He said, no, when I was born, God gave me an incentive to be around young girls. Now, the girl he had that he had been arrested with was a 14-year-old girl. And, you know, there are places in this world where 14-year-old girls can even be married. And, of course, he was making the point that she was with consent with him and that that was just part of a tendency he had that he had gotten from God when he was born. Now, this particular program, of course, found him guilty and put him in prison. But... I'm not sure they realize that soon after that, you would have people who are gay saying the same thing. That yes, we know the Bible is against this kind of behavior, but that's the way God made me. And therefore, you cannot judge me. In fact, who robs a bank and thinks that that's against the will of God? They rob it because they have a tendency to do that. Who takes drugs? Uh, I, I, I just can't believe the programs I see on YouTube where people are dying from taking drugs from salespeople they don't know anything about, and a lot of times the drugs are infected with poison, and many people are dying from this, and they can't help themselves. They keep doing it again and again. You'll see a program where someone will try and help an individual, and they give them some money in order to go to a clinic. Well, they take the money, and they go and buy more drugs. In fact, in certain areas of the city, and St. Louis is one of them, 
a lot of robbery takes place, carjacking. Why? In order to get money to buy drugs. And a person can say, well, you know, I see you don't have that tendency, but I do. And God created me, and so isn't it really God's fault if I'm doing something wrong? Because that's the way I am built. This is an argument used by many people to offset their, how shall I put it, their desire to go against the will of God. In fact, a lot of people are put down by others when you stand up for the Word of God. We as pastors in the United States may not be be being put to death, but there are a lot of, for example, young people, and we talk about them often, called nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and they're leaving the church because they cannot agree with what they are hearing about morality. They disagree with us. They don't see anything wrong with going to bed before marriage with someone in order to find out whether or not the marriage is going to work. Well, what they forget to realize is that God has consequences for going against his will. We see that in the area of science. There's a scientific understanding of what gravity is. Now, it doesn't matter how much faith you have, but if you are in a building on the fifth floor and you jump out the window believing that you can fly, guess what? The consequence is you're going to hit the ground and possibly die. God also has consequences for going against his will in the ends of morality. No wonder there's a high level of suicide among homosexuals. Uh, No wonder they hate the church, because they think the church is responsible for their condition of being lonely, frustrated, and in a sense, by themselves. No, the church is just telling you what is the will of God. And if you reject that will of God, you will expect to receive bad consequences. Now, yesterday in the mail, I received a pastor's sermon. This is a black pastor who is also gay. And, of course, this one is a member of the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. And what is he against? He states, Christian niceness is a product of whiteness, and it's just as deadly as any of the other manifestations of white supremacy. For, for a while, you know, I was talking about the whole idea of black lives matter and, and trying to show why that movement is basically contrary 
to Christian understanding. Now, I have been uh, attacked for that, but this black pastor makes it very clear. His name is Reverend Lenny Duncan. And interestingly enough, he wrote a book against what he calls one of the nation's whitest Christian denominations. And that's the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. He says that that church has failed to answer the call, what? To express the forgiveness of sins of Jesus Christ? No. To fight for racial justice and address the church's inherent white supremacy. Now, this is really important to understand, that the leaders of Black Lives Matter, they have something they are really against, and that's white supremacy. Just by being white, that is terrible. In fact, he says, there's a growing movement among white evangelical faith leaders to hold in-person services again. And so he's asked, what are your thoughts about this in light of the fact that the virus has ravaged communities of color? Here's his answer. And this he says in sermons. Tell me if this isn't a nightmare. We shouldn't be surprised, he says, that white Christianity is willing to sacrifice black and brown bodies for the cause of their own personal salvation and relationship with Jesus Christ. That has been part of the history of the American church experience. Of course, they are willing to sacrifice black and brown bodies to hear a full-throated hymn. Of course, they are willing to sacrifice our communities, he's talking about black communities, for tithes and offerings. Of course, they are willing to sacrifice the people I grew up with and call that patriotism. And some of them are even going a step further and calling it biblical. And it's mostly fueled by white supremacy. As soon as they heard that their communities were not going to bear the brunt of this pandemic, they didn't care anymore. Now, I've been involved with a lot of churches, most of them, of course, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. I, I've never seen this attitude. In, in my own church that I was at for 28 years, almost the majority of people there were black. And I never got this from talking to them. In fact, it has come to my attention that a lot of the white pastors who are for Black Lives Matter don't have many blacks in their congregation. They really aren't speaking to people this really affects. So, Lenny Duncan, this black preacher, wrote a book, Dear Church. And here's what he says. One of the things I talk about in the book is the symbolism of Advent, painting blackness as always in darkness, 
always as evil and bad, further away from the light of God, and all that kind of language we use in our worship. There's been a big movement around pastors not wearing white robes. Like, I'm a white person wearing a white robe with a hood. Now, I I haven't met any pastors who are refusing to wear white robes because it gives a person the indication they're a member of the Ku Klux Klan. In fact, what I wear is a black robe and over it a white surplus. And the black robe is a cassock. And I often, especially if children are in the congregation, will make the point that the Cossack represents my sin. It doesn't represent a black person. No. But the white surplus represents the righteousness of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. He goes on to say that one of the things we often underestimate with the power of white supremacy is the people who are the sickest from it often do not know they are infected with it. They cannot recognize the cage around me as a black queer person in this country, and they can't see the gilded one around themselves. That's why I wrote the book. I diagnose it as something that is demonic and otherworldly because of the way it seems to have malevolence and intelligence above and beyond some of the convenient fools. If the Christian church in the 21st century does not dismantle white supremacy, there will be no Christian witness in 50 years in this country. Every church will close. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't going to be more churches that are closing, but that's because of CFW Walther's point that they're not bringing proper law and gospel points to the people in the pews. They're talking that which really isn't Christianity. I belong to St. Paul de Pere, 2,000 members. And I'll tell you, uh, there are plenty of people there, and I don't find anybody who is racist outwardly that doesn't want black people joining the church because we have them. So this idea that this black queer pastor in Elka is putting up is a figment of his imagination, but it goes to show you why you really need to be careful when you're listening to pastors, particularly who are not of a proper Lutheran persuasion. He's asked, well, what can these churches do? He says, white denominations need to show up, share their people, their wealth, and let people of color and street activists lead. Now, I don't know if you've listened to many street activists, but we certainly don't want them leading our congregation with their racist statements and with their views and their violence that is going on again and again. I truly believe that many white people who join 
the Black Lives Matter do so out of personal guilt. They feel that they're kind of racist. Well, as I said once before, I will not repent of being racist any more than I will repent of robbing the Bank of America. Why? Because I have not robbed the Bank of America. Do I look in a negative way towards certain black people? Yes, I do. But I also look towards individuals who have that kind of behavior who are also white. We love them, and we want to share with them, particularly in the homosexual abortion community, that what they are doing is denying the word of God. And so we need to acknowledge that the Christian church has a totally different message than the leaders of Black Lives Matter has. It is a message of the forgiveness of sin and also what John the baptizer said and Jesus says in the book of Mark. What's his message? Repent and believe the gospel. I'm Tom Baker. Monday, we'll take a look at a Bible study that will help us to understand this more. Till then, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.